Did he suffer? Yep. His car's up the road out here. Tires blown out with the spike strip. Intermuscular hemorrhage, fractured laryngeal skeleton, and ligature marks are all consistent with violent asphyxiation. Both his palms got rope burns. He's got fibers in his fingernails. He was alive the whole time. Until he wasn't. You was with him last night. What? The chief. When I called Jane to notify, she said that they were over at y'all's house for supper. Yeah. Was he acting strange? What do you mean? You know what strange means. Was he drunk? No. A couple glasses of wine, maybe. Was he high? He might have done some blow. Sounds like quite a party. My kids were there. Your kids. Fuck you, you shiny fuck. What are you interrogating me now? Why would I interrogate you? Your cold motherfucker glass. Then why am I crying under here? Hello, everyone. You're listening to the TV Zone podcast presents Watchmen. I'm your host, Jay, and returning with me again to continue our journey down this uh, TV series is the one to only Miss Zena. Zena, how are you doing, ma'am? I'm doing well, Jay. Thank you again for inviting me on. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, like I said, we had a blast recording the first episode and everything, and now here we are to talk about episode two. Yes. So um, I know like in the first episode, we were talking about um, like you, you went into this completely blind, not knowing anything about, you know, Watchmen, you know, outside of what you probably like seen from clips and previews and stuff like that. But um, after watching the first episode and now on to episode two, just initially, like, how do you feel about the universe that you're presented with? Well, I, I feel like I'm, for this episode, for the second one, I feel like I was having a more understanding of what's going on. Because um, at first, you know, I remember telling you that I felt a little bit lost. Um, I'm trying not to, like, jump ahead or anything like that. But for someone, again, who's new, you know, to the series, to the movie, to the universe, things are starting to come together. But at the same time, I still have questions. And I realized that those questions... You know, they're getting answered slowly, but they're getting answered. Yeah, for the most part. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, I OK, so you you haven't finished uh, the season yet, have you? No, I, I stopped because, you know, I, I stopped because, you know, I was binging it. And then I realized that, OK, if I keep going, I might be sad. So I stopped. Well, I don't think you'll be sad, but like I say, that. Episode eight will be a mind blower. And oh. <laughs> yes, it'll be a, a huge mind blowing experience. So so in a way it's kind of good that you did stop. So because when we talk about certain people, mm-hmm. you'd be like you'd be like, Oh my god, I can't believe this, you know, type of thing. And oh. I guarantee and I, I guarantee you will say that. Okay. Yeah. So, so <laughs> 
uh, with this episode. Uh, it opens in Nazi Germany during World War II mm-hmm. and everything, and it's where the typists, um, you know, they're writing out, they're typing out their letters and stuff like this. Then I guess this um, this SS uh, commander he comes in and. He demands that the one girl that is fluent in English that she comes with him and bring her typewriter, which I'm pretty sure the typewriter was kind of heavy, but yeah, you know, she, he wasn't going to struggle. <laughs> exactly, uh-huh. right? And he wasn't going to help her because he is man and she's woman, I guess, right? In his mind. But um, it tells her to come with him and, you know, wants her to write something out in English. And we find out that he's basically having her type out this um, letter. Mm-hmm. to the black soldiers um that's on the american side and regards to like why do you fight for this country that doesn't see you as an equal mm-hmm. you should come to the german side and you know if you come to the german side look at how well the blacks do in germany in berlin they own their own businesses and this that and the other just this type of propaganda type thing and from some research that i did with that that was kind of a true thing where they they were trying to basically sway away the black American soldiers away from fighting from the, the United States and was using, you know, that type of tactic to mm-hmm. to do it. Um, but what do you think about, like, how they decided to open this episode with that? And we we, we see uh, Will's father because he was in World War Two. Uh, immediately I knew that that was Will's dad. I remembered him, you know, from the previous episode. And so, um, I was, I just wanted to see where exactly it was going. I felt bad. Like was just going back to that woman, um, which I forgot her name. I was just trying to find her name because there's something else that comes up with her name that I want to talk about, um, a little bit later, but seeing her, like, I felt bad for her. Like, like you said, like that, that typewriter was clearly heavy and she's just trying her best. He could have at least carried it something you know but whatever so then she had to type that and everything but I don't know I I still fully like in the beginning of that I wasn't too sure what was going on um but I the only person that I did recognize you know was Will's dad and she's like oh okay I wonder what the connection is with this like what's going on with that to the following scene yeah so you know it goes from that and where because the the um SS soldier, he's, you know, he's saying out what he wants her to say. Mm-hmm. And it's intercutting with uh, Will's dad and his um, platoon um, walking and, and the plane flies over and they drop the letters down and, you know, they're reading it. And as they're walking by this American commander that's on a horse, he rides by and spits in his yes. face. Yes. Oh it's, like, it's like, we would have had to fight right then and there. I, you know, you can't spit on me, you know, and but it but what's crazy about it is how that how that plays into how you know a, a lot of black soldiers and even black athletes from you know that time period when they went overseas and how yeah they were celebrated this that and the other but then when they came back they still were looked at as second class citizens right and everything and how it cuts to where little will is um you know trying on his dad's army you know jacket and everything and kind of you know being proud you know of who his dad is mm-hmm. and he sees the letter and his dad comes in you know snatches out of his hand and everything like that right. and i thought that was an interesting 
kind of depiction of where we were going in a way. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I, I just like how that kind of all kind of tied in together um, right. with the way they opened the episode. And that same flyer of paper that um, Will's dad snatched from him, that's the same um, paper where he wrote, you know, watch over this boy, right? Exactly. It's also massacre, right? Okay. Yes. So that, that in a way, finds its way through time in a way. It has its own history in a way. I feel like it's just, it's stretched through the history. Yeah. You know, it's it's horrible and stuff like that. But I do feel like it is something that, you know, even obviously watching it and stuff like that, it's just not something that we can forget about. And it's it wasn't something that was just solved or just ignored. You know what I mean? So mm. I, I don't know. It's unfortunate. But yeah, it's uh, it just kind of makes you question even with, with what happened again with the Tulsa race massacre. Like it makes you question like um, what happened, why it happened. And but yeah, but I, I do like the fact that with this episode, I kind of feel like in a way um, there are some things that I feel like they they wanted us to or they, they wanted to kind of touch on. Mm. So, but yeah, <laughs> I got you. I got you. Um. Okay. So then we come back to current day, where uh, it kind of it shows us again, like how the first episode ended. It just instead of being from Angela's point of view, is from Will's point of view. Old Will, played by Lou Gossett Jr., of course. Mm-hmm. Um, as he's sitting there under the tree and everything. And we see him with the letter or whatnot. And it's like, yeah, this thing really does have his own freaking history or whatnot. Because, mm-hmm. like, he still has that freaking letter, right? And he's sitting there. He flashes the light. She comes up. And, you know, was there like that. But what's interesting is how the way Angela reacts and everything. She doesn't, like, panic or anything. Mm-hmm. She just grabs him by the wheelchair and just ushers him back to the car and then takes him back to her um to her little shop and down to her back cave as I call it um or whatnot and he hand and she handcuffs him and you know she starts interrogating him in a way mm-hmm. and it's like who are you and I, I for some reason I like this like back and forth between the two of them mm-hmm. because she says like who are you he just starts like he's like I'm the one who hung your chief. You know, and everything. And, and, you know, as she's saying that, then he goes into the whole thing about, well, maybe, um, I, I you know, I did it with my with my mind, you know, because I have psychic powers. I can move things and, and levitate and do this and that and the other. It's like, she's like, maybe I'm Dr. Manhattan. And she's like, you're not Dr. Manhattan. He can't look like us. You know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I see, okay, so I, t- I made sure I took a note of that when, when he says that line because that that's going to become an important line down the road. Mm-hmm. As far I as already that. see, I already see that. Like there was something that he uh with that with that conversation, yeah. didn't he? Because he did say, you know, um, this is kind of jumping ahead, but didn't he say that um with Doctor Manhattan that he could clone? Well, yes, he he can clone himself. Yes, and right. that is something that you see in the movie mm-hmm. where 
where he like has clone versions of himself. He can make himself a hundred feet tall because that's how the U.S. won the Vietnam War and why Vietnam became a state of the of the United States and mm-hmm. everything. So, right, yeah, and, and well, I don't know. I guess because I was, uh, you know, when I heard that and he said that with the with the skin color and everything like that. Yeah, but even hearing them go back and forth like that, I kind of saw. Well, I don't know if I should bring this up right now. I'll wait. I'll wait until we go through it and then, because I have a lot of questions. No, you can go ahead and bring it up. Go ahead. Okay, well, something that comes to mind is um, what is Jeremy Iron Iron character name again? Adrian. Adrian, okay. With his character, um, his his butler's maid servants, yeah. you know, I saw, like, when he finally finished his play, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Which was insane. Should, so should I should I wait? Because this is a question like that's why I mean I think that maybe I should wait until we go through it and then I can go back. Because no, well, I mean cause that's all in this episode. So we we can we can jump around. Yeah, we okay. Well, something that comes to mind is did he clone his servants? Because there's some that they look alike. And it's just like I was like, wait, this that's not a twin, <laughs> you know, and it's just like I'm wondering too, not only just with that, but with um, Adrian and Will, do those two have a connection? Because something I noticed whenever they even, um, I guess maybe this might be the, the, the filmmaker in me, but seeing how they film it and, you know, usually they're like kind of like back to back, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll even match just a little bit. There was a, um, when Will was boiling his eggs, for some mm-hmm. reason, he went out to get eggs, he came back, and I noticed that he was wearing under, like, he, it looked like he was, like, darker clothes, but I see, like, a hint of purple, and yep. it was a very nice, elegant-looking purple. Not saying he's not elegant, but he's, you know what I mean? He, you didn't know that about him at first because of how he was dressed until I saw that little hint of purple. Just before that, though, with Adrian's character, he was wearing purple. His cake was purple. I mean, at first I thought he was celebrating a birthday, but then they keep on. Then I saw two candles and it's just like, okay, it's an anniversary. Anniversary of what? Is he in the same time as them? Is he not in the same time? (laughs) You know, so it's just stop. You stop laughing. (laughs) No, I mean, like I say, because I, I know already where where you go with it okay. and and I know where the story goes so that's why I'm kind of laughing that's why right. and then I don't know then even going back to Angela um I, I mean I won't jump ahead but you know when I first watched it and she seemed very very close to Judd mm-hmm. but she doesn't cry no she gets angry you know, and she trashes place her place. So even when she was like really pounding that guy's face in at the trailer park, but she didn't cry. She didn't. Well, I mean, everybody has a different way of grieving, but you know. So I was like, okay, I, I wonder. I, I I see why that it was just kind of you know shocking to see. I guess. Um, and I guess just the other thing too. Um, you know, this might sound a little. This is a little bit off, but. Even with Judd's body, mm-hmm. the first thing, like, you know, as the camera was panning down and everything, and you see one of his shoes, they're off. 
and it's just his, you know, barefoot. Then I don't, I don't know what the, was this an episode with the strongest men in the world or Mueller or, you know? <laughs> okay. Like, so, okay. Is so, that a, like, what is that? Okay. So that is an, ep- that's this TV series within okay. the show called American Hero Story, which mm-hmm. you could say that in, in their, alternate 2019 they have American Hero Story well as whereas in our timeline we have American Horror Story right right so and and with that is depicting the original vigilante heroes known as the Minutemen so which the character that you see with that um, the hooded justice who was the first hero mm-hmm. he, he was the very first because it was him mothman captain metropolis the first silk spectre the mm-hmm. comedian mm-hmm. and there was somebody else and i can't remember who it was now but yeah those were your that was your first group okay so even with that like i was just like well wait a minute his shoe was missing too and it was just his barefoot yeah. So what's the connection? You know, are they faking their own death? Is is that something that Judd is doing? Was he cloned? You know, like I just wanted to call you when I'm watching that, but I'm like, all right, let me leave him alone and just, you know, finish watching this just to see. But then it even takes me a little bit further in. And I'm sorry for jumping again, jumping around, but okay, there's two things. Okay. One, okay, well, actually three things. <laughs> I'm sorry, see things are even coming to mind. Um I don't remember the typist's name. And um, when I was re-watching pieces of the episode, wasn't her last name or sh- her last name was the same as the the Muller guy? Wait, w- which uh, typist? Are we talking about the typist from uh, the Germany? Yes. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, so, I, okay, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I could have sworn that they had, like, the same last name. Is Is there a... I don't know. Is there a connection? So maybe I'm wrong about that. But then, okay, second thing. Um, okay. We don't... Okay, well, I, I can't really say that. Um, I guess something else that, that, that I saw was, okay, with Judd gone, mm-hmm. who is going to be in charge now, right? And then, not only that, but this is where we also find out some secrets about Judd, well, Angela yeah. does. Yeah. And just even that that scene, that scene kind of, you know, uh, rubbed me the wrong way, <laughs> just a little bit. But basically, you know, Angela, she decides to go, you know, visit Judd's wife, Jane. And, you know, she's having kind of like a, like a get together, you know, where people are like mourning together. And um, she's saying that she didn't know. But I have a feeling that she knew, obviously. Um that Angela knew that. And we meet the um this character, Senator Joe Keene Jr. Yep. And, you know, um, he at first he seems like a nice guy. He seems concerned until, you know, you start to I guess eventually we're, we're told like they used to work together. Oh my god, is that a spoiler? No, because I mean when 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 um she comes into the wake and everything like that, right. um 
Well, one thing before I get to that part about in regards to them two working together, mm-hmm. did you notice in that scene how much Angela stuck out like a sore thumb? Yes, yes, and 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 that's that's what I was getting at. Not only just that, but it's kind of like um, with that guy Joe, mm-hmm. he was basically te- he basically told her, and it's just like, wait, what are you talking about? That he will give her all the resources that she needs to find out who did this. Mm-hmm. And basically to me, that's coming off. Like he's like, he knows about her, but how would you know? Unless someone told you. And then, you know, she's, you know, she's just like, Oh, well I'm retired and stuff like that. You know, still keep it on that act. But then obviously when she decides to faint and stuff, she's laying down in their, their room and just pretending to be sick. And then she takes out these cool looking binocular things like x-ray glasses that I feel like we all need. And, um, well, no, not all of us, because some people are just ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) I need it, because I'm nosy. And, um, yeah, she's able just to, she decides to look in the closet, and that's when she finds that secret room and Judd's KKK outfit. And maybe that's a picture of him and his grandpa, or a picture of him and his dad. And it's just like, okay, was he, like, well, I don't know. Like, at first, it was like, he's... He is, he was the chief of police, you know, he seemed like he was a good man. What is that clan's robe doing in his closet? To me, that couldn't, that changed my view on him. And I'm pretty sure that that changed Angela's view because she had to reconsider him, you know? Um, and not only that, but, you know, obviously she was going back and forth with, uh, with Will and, that made her, that made, I'm pretty sure that made, I feel like that made Angela reconsider Will and also that made me re- reconsider him. Okay. Um, so it's just like, I don't know. Obviously it's like he did somehow kill Crawford, you know? Um, we just don't know how, but okay. Because he's 105. Exactly. So how? How did he do that? But then hearing stuff about like clones and stuff like that, it, I didn't think, okay, is it mind control? You know, I, I didn't think that, like what he said, or, you know, his powers, you know, whatever. Because if that's the case, then why did you have to go across the street for X, you know? Um, but with with that, it just seemed like, okay, did he do that to Judd? Because is he a white supremacist? You know, um, again, even with this episode, I feel like it really did fill in some um, backstories um, in some ways. I even love how we saw what kind of happened with Angela a couple of years ago, um, mm. you know, where she decided to leave the police force and like hide her identity. But something that stands out for me with that is how did she get saved? Even how did Judd get saved? And they never showed us. And it was just like, I thought about that. I'm like, well, how did she get saved? But I thought, okay, well, by the end of the episode, they'll go back to it. But yeah, I don't know. There's just so many questions. But clearly she survived. Um, some other people survived. And even with the kids, like, she had to, she adopted those kids because, you know, their parents were murdered and all. I, I don't know. Like, what's, yep. were they? I don't know, Jay. I don't know. No, 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 they were uh, because the the kid's dad was Angela's partner. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what Judd tells her, you know, when she wakes up um, in the hospital. 
after the whole white knight thing happened he's sitting there and what it was the seventh cavalry had orchestrated this uh you know co- control type you know mm-hmm. um assault on all of the police and they just happened to be the t- well the more important ones was them that survived but like other cops they decided to resign because it was like i don't want to be a part of this if i got to worry about people busting into my house and gunning down me and my family right you know whatnot so i don't want to be a cop no more so that's what happened with that and he was explaining to her like that's what happened that uh topher he took the took his two sisters and hid in the closet mm-hmm. you know why everything happened or whatnot and then that's how she ended up her and cal ended up adopting them or whatnot but it um, makes me wonder with that is that the truth i don't know because <laughs> <laughs> now you got me now you got me thinking about that because i, mean, I maybe, don't know maybe i'm over analyzing but sometimes you're starting to, to realize with this show they don't always like to reveal things they kind of want us to speculate and so even like when i thought that something was very straightforward with someone like judd like you know, like clearly Angela had like a different relationship with him. She, there's no way that he was a white supremacist. But then, like you said, she was the only black person. Like, you know, I, I, and I know that that's, that's like, oh, well, you can't say that because of that. Maybe whatever. Okay, fine. Maybe, maybe that's the reason why. But what is that stuff doing in his closet? And I know the fall, is it the following episode or, Maybe we we kind of get somewhat of an answer, but to me, that's still. And it's funny because you know what I'm talking about when he what what we find out with that. Yep. And, and I feel like that's something that still currently happens. You will still have people say that same thing that he said, you know, about something. Oh my God, that's a spoiler. Well, well, I put it like this. Um, have you have you ever seen um? Inglorious Bastards, the Quentin Tarantino movie. I have not. Okay. Well, there's it's something in regards to Brad Pitt's character where he always carved a swastika in the Nazi soldiers' heads. And he took, because he always, he asks, like, the command, he said, you know, when this war is over and everything, you're going to take off that uniform and you're going to burn it and you're going to act like you never, you know, associated with, you know, the Nazis or was ever a part of this and everything. You're just going to go live your nice little life and everything. You say, well, I'm going to give you a little something that you can't take off. Oh, OK. And, everything. and then he carves the swastika into their, you know, their foreheads and everything. Right. So it, it kind of makes you think about this in regards to in regards to him kind of the same thing with the whole you know clan role like either he was a clansman mm-hmm. and he eventually took it off or it was a part of, you know his dad was his granddad probably was and it was probably just you know a in a weird way is his family's heritage you know right, what that, right. you know in, in a weird type of way so he kept it he, right. he didn't, so he didn't throw that. it away but he kept it so and and that's what i mean but he that's that's what i was saying i didn't know if i could say that or not but isn't that weird it is but 
but when you think about it, like when you think about people and their family's history or whatnot, and certain things that might get kept from whoever's family and, and everything that gets passed down through the generations. When you think about certain things that get that get kept, it's like, why is that how we're keeping this? Like what why why are we keeping it this? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's part of our family's history. <laughs> you know, it it's part of the family's history. That's I, why we keep it. Yeah, but especially with what he's doing. But at the same time, remember in the first episode we talked about, I said, well, you think it's kind of interesting that of all the cops, he's the only one who doesn't walk around right. with a mask on. Right. So, uh, like I say, it, it, it's something that really adds. I mean, and, and going back to what you said about who might be in charge, well, what if it's the panda that's in charge? <laughs> Well, get him. He needs something else. <laughs> He's in charge. Because he did tell Chief, he said, Chief, you are, you're wrong about this. You're wrong, Chief. You know, that whole thing. But, but I mean, but you do, you do bring up some really good questions that do kind of, you know, get us into thinking more about, and what's funny about that is, is that Judd Crawford's character in the TV series is basically what the comedian was in the movie mm-hmm. in a way where his something well i mean i could i could spoil this because this happens at the very beginning of the freaking movie where the old man comedian gets killed and everything because someone busts into his apartment um and everything he gets into a fight with him and he ends up getting tossed out of the window from a high rise and he falls to the to his death and when the police come to investigate and everything they find a secret compartment in his closet and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's where you find out, like, oh, this Edward Blake guy was actually the freaking comedian or whatnot. And it goes into the whole thing. It what kicks off everything. So, in a way, Crawford, like I say, in the TV series, is what the comedian was in the movie where his death kind of kickstarts everything the same way. Okay. Yeah. So, but but we'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about episode. When we talk uh, discuss episode three. Okay. No, that that sounds good. <laughs> so, um, let's see here. Um, but yeah, that whole back and forth with Angela and um, and Will, like I said, is one of my favorite scenes. I see both of their back and forths in this in this episode is, is mm-hmm. like so because I mean we we two really good actors, Regina King and Lou Gossett Jr. and yeah. And I don't know about you, but I don't think Lou Gossett Jr. has ever truly got the respect and recognition that he's truly deserved in his career. Yeah, I, I do agree. But I'll tell you one thing, though, and I forgot to tell you this the last time we spoke, um, well, when we were talking about episode one. I knew when I saw him, I knew that he wasn't just going to be some side character. I knew that his character was going to be very important and we were going to see him again real soon. And, you know, that's because he's way too talented, you know? Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, the the man. He okay. So, real quick, going off on a Lou Gossett Jr. tangent, real quick. So when I found this out about him, I don't know if you knew this either. You know, because he won Best Supporting Actor for Officer and the Gentleman. And yeah, and what's crazy about that is that even after that, he never got like a bump in like salary when it came to movies that he was a part of 
and everything. You know how like most actors, you know, when they win Oscars and everything, they, be, they you know that that puts you up in a in a higher bracket because now you've you hit the elite in a way. The fact that you won the highest award in Hollywood that puts you in a different type of status, right? Mm-hmm. And he, even the roles that he did after that. I mean, because think about this: Officer and Gentleman comes out in '82. He does Jaws and Jaws three in '83. What the hell is he doing in Jaws three? Right. But then again, Michael Caine was in Jaws of Revenge, but that's another story. Um, but it, it's just kind of crazy. Like, that's the that's the movie that he follows his Oscar-winning performance with is Jaws 3. And even in... But, but I will say this. Even in that, you could tell, like, he was a different class of actor than everybody else in that movie. Right. And then, like I said, the movies that he did, you know, in the following years throughout the 80s and 90s and even up to current, he just, I feel like his career should have went more like how Morgan Freeman's career went. But mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman got the career that Lou Gossett Jr. should have had. Mm-hmm. And that's no disrespect to Morgan Freeman. It's just, I feel like, you know, that they should have had somewhat of a similar career opposed to Morgan Freeman getting, you know, that top notch career where Lou Gossett Jr. always just kind of was like a notch or two below. Mm-hmm. It's like, if, if like if they needed an older, wise black actor, it's like, let's get Morgan Freeman. But I'm like, well, right. Lou Gossett Jr. is right there. <laughs> you know, he could have, <laughs> I think he could have pulled off quite a few of the roles that, that Morgan Freeman did. I agree. I definitely agree. Like, no, this is not putting down anyone, putting down Morgan Freeman, like you said. Um, But yeah, I I definitely agree with you. I think that he's, he should be, he should be in in more, you know, and to be honest with you, I kind of forgot that he was in Jaws 3 or 3D, whatever people want to call it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I never forget because I always say, like, the the two, the like, the the two last sequels of the series both feature Oscar winners. One in Louis Gossett Jr. in Jaws 3. He won his Oscar before. Michael Caine won his Oscar while he was filming Jaws the Revenge. Mm. <laughs> That's why he couldn't accept the Oscar because he was filming that movie. So, <laughs> but but yeah. Um but yeah I just he he you know seeing him in this series and I agree like when I first saw that he was a part of it's like yeah there's no way he's He's just going to be like this one-off, you know, oh, we're going to see him in the first episode. Oh, we'll never see him again. You know, type of thing. Right. So, yeah, it was good. Like, he comes back and you kind of get some history with him. And just kind of staying on the whole uh, wheel uh, stuff or whatnot. So, you know, he's sitting there and we find out that he, he has these pills that help him with his memory. Because he is 105 years old, which he tells her, because like you're 90 something years old, how could you say I'm actually 105? You know, type of thing. Like he was proud of that. Like I'm 105. I guess he took pride in fact. Oh, I look like I'm in my 90s. Well, I'm 105 actually. But um, so you know, he has these pills that help him with his memory and and everything. And Angela, being the you know suave and you know calculating cop that she is. Because he's drinking, you know, coffee out of that mug. She takes the mug and puts it in a um in a Ziploc bag, mm-hmm. and she she goes to that um 
that heritage uh, for culture for the co- for culture uh, center, which is all about you know Tulsa and everything like that, and what happened with uh, Tulsa massacre, and how people who are direct descendants and everything, if their DNA matches to anyone who was a part of, you know, they get you know basically referations for mm-hmm. it in a way and it's like huh like could you imagine if there was actually a place like that in real life like a, either for that or even for slavery in a way where like if they could trace like you being a descendant of slaves and stuff like that like you would get you know money and everything could you i mean i think that, that's a, like that i think that that's a cool idea but um Okay, I'm going to speak frank. I think it's a great idea because, you know, um, I am a black woman, you know. I I wonder where my family traces back to and where it's just kind of like, okay, um, I'm trying to speak too harshly. But I just think that other people, perhaps white people, um, non-black people, non-African Americans, they may not like that. They may not feel um, that it's fair. And I guess like even when I, again, when I went back and I was re-watching like pieces of the episodes, I saw the, um, when when she was walking to the um, museum, mm-hmm. you know, with the cup and everything, and she was walking there and you see people outside there holding signs and Something, I don't really remember what they all said, but, you know, just basically how they wanted equality. There was one sign that said, I'm sorry, or we're sorry, and now you're begging for a handout or something like that. And it was pretty much all white people. And then even with that scene, um, we see, like, okay, there's this one scene at the trailer park where people are, there are white people who are there and they're angry. And I feel like that brought out I mean, a lot of things could have could have brought it out, but I think that maybe per I think perhaps this was like the reparations were probably one one big one big one where it really did bring out like the deep rooted racism because those people there they were angry. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Hmm. Yeah, that's why I said. <laughs> that's why I, said you know, I, I don't want to. I don't speak. You know, I don't want to be blunt or sound harsh when I say this. So it's just like I think for myself, perhaps for you, you know, it's like okay, well, I think that that's a great idea. But there's going to be other people who do not feel that way. And then honestly, what's sad is, which it's like I'm not saying that they probably feel this way on the show as an example, because look at where they live. They live in a trailer park. You know, well, yeah, and they, they, they have named uh, Nixonville, and they got that, a statue oh, of, of Nixon. Oh my God! But yeah, so that's that's what I mean. That they're unhappy, and I think that that's what calls calls like a major major divide. I mean, among other things, but to me, it's just like ah, because I always wondered that. Um, like oh, you know, if, if we did have like a museum like that. Yeah, I mean the closest thing to that right now would probably be the um, African American Museum that's in right. what Washington D- I believe it's in D.C. It's either Atlanta or D.C. I think it's in D.C. because I think yeah. I went there. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. No, yeah. yeah, it is D.C. Like I said, I think that might be the closest thing to it, but I don't think they have like the whole 
thing there where you can like put your DNA in and they'll get back to you and let you know, sir. It's like that's that's very high tech <laughs> in a way. Um, but yeah, so she does that and and everything. And then when she goes back to uh, Will, because like I say we're just keeping all the Will stuff together. Um, so when she goes back and we go back to you know him because last time we saw him he was handcuffed to the freaking <laughs> railing mm-hmm. and the handcuff is off and he's sitting there waiting on his eggs to boil and like you said earlier <laughs> where she, she comes in like what are you doing like oh I, I need to get some eggs like where'd you get eggs from oh went across the street you went across the street and you came back She's like yeah <laughs> and her face so it's like she was surprised that he came back he was like well why'd you come back because we're not finished talking yet mm. you know everything and you know just going back and forth and i don't know if you caught this but in this episode there's a lot of emphasis about time mm-hmm. it's always cut into like the clock right and that's another important thing from the movie because with that it was always about the doomsday clock inching ever so close to midnight because in the movie uh nixon is still president and everything because he actually some way somehow worked out where he became a three-term president (laughs) and woodward and bernstein actually were killed by the comedian which is brought up in in a uh, scene in the movie so that's why uh, watergate never happened because nixon had the comedian kill woodward and bernstein Mm-hmm. Right. So he's still the president and we're on the brink of nuclear war. So it's always about the um, doomsday clock inching closer to midnight. But in this episode, there's a lot of emphasis about the clock or whatnot. And while Angela and, and Will are talking, that's when she get the call. And we find out that he his name is Will Reeves and he has descendants, you know, there are two people that are related to him and everything. And so Angela, she was like, because the question was, uh, would you like to know the relation of to the people of Will Reeves? And she was like, Angela um, Abar. And you find out that she is actually his granddaughter. Mm-hmm. So what would you think about that whole reveal? Well, I, I at first didn't. I feel like I always say that I never had even see it coming, but at first I didn't see it coming like on like the, obviously the first episode and stuff, but when things were starting to come more together, I guess it made more sense. And he, I mean, he just seemed like he's just, Will just seems like he's a comfortable person anyway. So it's like, he'll get comfortable with anybody, but you know, with his eggs and everything. But, um, I, I always felt that Will, obviously Will knew that. Clearly he knew that. And even when she, finally got the call or when she heard that she was his niece and everything um he's looking at her like yeah well you know there you go so it was uh it was pretty cool to see you know um but what goes on after that is kind of just like whoa (laughs) (laughs) you know uh so 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 we'll come back to that because i want to touch on the whole I mean, we kind of glossed over Adrian a little bit in this episode. We got to go back to him, okay? And and at his at his manor, if you will, and riding his horse, and you know, he stops by a tomato tree and takes a bite yes. of, the, of the tomato and and I then was... squeezes it out and dumps it because he got freaking tomato trees. 
I was confused because tomatoes don't grow on trees. So it's just <laughs> like, okay, did he genetically change that? Can that happen? Well, I mean, he is the, the smartest man in the world. Okay, so, so I guess he, he did that, you know? So, because I mean, he plays an important part in the movie as well. That character, because he he was also a uh, a, a superhero, who went by Ozzy Mandis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, he plays an important part in the movie, but it's it, it seems like he is in a self-imposed exile in a mm-hmm. way. And like we was talking about earlier with the clones, where he has a bunch of Miss Crookshanks and Mr. Phillips, you know, just roaming around. And he comes up with this play. Now, the play that we see depicted in this episode is actually what happened to Dr. Manhattan. Um, Because they show this scene in the movie. It doesn't, it's not exactly how it's shown in the movie. Um, or whatnot. But for the most part, it is that's what happens where John Osterman, the human version of Dr. Manhattan, where he was this scientist and he worked at this uh, facility and he does he get trapped inside this quantum uh, genetic room or whatnot and the time lock and they can't open the door and he gets incinerated. Hmm. But in the process of him getting incinerated, some way, somehow he's able to remanifest himself. And everything, because he was, we found out as a child, uh, Osterman was obsessed with watchmaking, and because his dad was a watchmaker, but he became so obsessed with components and stuff like that, and that's how he became like this scientist and everything. So he, some way, wherever the hell he went (laughs) when he gets incinerated, some way he manifests himself back into this Doctor Manhattan, this supreme being type or whatnot. And he becomes the most powerful being in the universe. Hmm. So that's what that uh, scene was depicting. And of course, it was Adrian and his, you know, minions uh, basically recreating it, which is funny because it's basically a one man show. And he's yeah. he's like he's like the audience, the director, all at one. <laughs> it's just ridiculous because uh, Miss Crookshank she forget the line and he just start yelling what the line is to her and. It's like, because it's funny too. Like when he says, "Well, no, tonight, Miss Crookshanks, I want to see real tears," you know. And it's like, (laughs) what exactly does that mean? And then you find out. (laughs) I mean, they came on easily. I don't get why the staff don't just run away. That's what I was thinking at first, but then it's like, where are you gonna go if that place isn't even real? Yeah, that is true. Like, where are you going to go? Right? And just the fact that the dude that's Mr. Phillips, like, he goes inside there and and he allows himself to get roasted. <laughs> you know? Literally. <laughs> literally, he got roasted. And what's funny about after that, when they pulled him out of there, well, when they was getting ready to pull him out of there and the, the other uh, clone of Phillips, he says something and Adrian turns to him and says, what is your name? And he's, I think he says, like, Mon- Mondo or something like that. He's like, well, how would you like to be the new Mr. Phillips? Oh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I guess he was taking charge, you know? <laughs> well, is it? Is I, it so crazy? I would never want to be the new Mr. Phillips, you no, know? Because it's like, 
is he really taking charge? Or is that more like, well, if you're Mr. Phillips, that means I'm be getting rid of you sometime in the future. I mean, pretty much, but I guess. But he he was excited about that. You remember? Yeah, he was. And, you know, so, okay. I know you can't, well, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you that, but it, I was going to say, well, what is the, the anniversary? Like, yeah, yeah, no, we're not going to talk about that. Okay, okay. And then, so, well, something else I noticed, I meant to tell you that earlier, when Angela went to Topher's room and to tell him about, you know, um, Judd, which that little boy, like, he's just, mm, I don't know. Anyway, um, he was playing with these magnets, and I thought it looked so cool because it was, like, floating in the air and stuff. And, you know, that kind of jumping ahead, that kind of happens to Will in the car. But before that, though, though, um, I I saw on the box that it, you know, it had like the Mister or Doctor Manhattan thing, right? Yep. And not only that, but something I thought was pretty cool is is that that house or castle that he built, mm-hmm. it looks similar to the one that Adrian, like his castle. <laughs> and I don't like when you laugh like that, Jay. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's go back to Topher because I do have a I do have a question about that. So, okay. so in regards to Topher and everything, and the fact that well, at first we we meet their uh, their grandfather, and for anyone who's ever watched uh, Supernatural, they would recognize the actor who's playing the grandfather because he played on Supernatural as Bobby, and everything that was with them. Um, and we find out that he's the grandfather and it was his day, you know, to see see his grandkids and everything. And Angela basically, you know, pays him off, you know, to, to get out of there because she don't want him to be around and everything. So she goes in and see where the two girls is playing with Cal, where they're playing um, pirates or whatnot. And they find a ghost on a pirate ship. Like, what the hell's a ghost doing on a pirate ship? Whatever. Um, so Angela goes upstairs to tell Topher about what happened to Jed and what's interesting is he reacts the same way Angela reacts yeah he doesn't cry he just kind of has this look that goes over his face and you can tell he's angry you can see it in his eyes but I guess to stay strong or whatnot he doesn't show it Except for when he destroyed the castle hmm. and everything, yeah. and, that, and, and like, then he like no, right, yeah, it is. Yeah, because I mean that was her letting out her frustration, you know, at her back cave when she's you know destroying back there, and that was the same way with him destroying the castle. And then he he just turns to it's like, can I watch TV? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he but he does it in such a you know, such a childlike way, and it's just like I said, you can tell he's hurt, but the way he just hides it or yeah. whatnot. And yeah. my question to you is with everything that we know that this boy has gone through, and when we look at little boy Will has gone through, do you think he has like the same type of makings of his life going similar to like a Angela or even a Will? In a way. I think so. Um, at first, I didn't see that. But you are so right because he really did act the same way as Angela. Like, I forgot he just knocked down that whole castle. 
Um, and it makes me wonder though, um, like, okay, kind of like what you said, where he's like, he had to be, he wanted to be strong and it seemed like he was going to, he did say he was going to tell his two sisters, you mm -hmm. know, afterwards and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see it with Angela. I don't know right now with Will. Okay. Like, I, 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 I know in some, some, um, I guess in some type of aspect because, uh, I watched, uh, ahead, you know, some episodes ahead, mm -hmm. but for this particular episode, no, I didn't see that. Okay. And then even with the, you know, going with the magnets and stuff like that, you know, how he just like knocked down the magnets. Um, you know, I, I really want us to talk about what happened with Will with the magnet and the car. Okay. Well, okay. So you know, if you, you can, you can take over. Okay. So I guess maybe Angela just, you know, she wanted, she realizes, <laughs> I'm sorry, Angela is I, maybe she's just trying to be nice now to Will because that's her grandpa. So she decides to, you know, help him get out of his wheelchair and she's going to put him in the car. And I guess maybe was she going to bring him back to her house? No, no, no. She was arresting him. Oh, I didn't. Oh my God. What? <laughs> yes. Because when, you know, when she goes back and she starts questioning him the second time and everything, and I forgot exactly what he said. And she's like, okay, now you're on. No, about the whole skeletons in the closet thing. He's like, what are you talking about? It's like, when we first met, you said that he had skeletons in his closet. He's like, yeah, I, I said physically. I said, uh, I didn't say physically. I meant, you know, metaphorically, skeletons right, in his closet. Right. <laughs> and then she, because she threw the um, robe at him and she says, like, oh, he must have planted it in there, this, that, and the other. It's like, right, right. It's like I, I can't go up and down the stairs. You know, I'm in a witch. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. I, yeah, that just went over my head. But okay, so like he was getting arrested, and she's you know kind of like having him lean on her, and she's kind of like helping him get in the car. She gets him in the car, closes the door, and I notice that he's smiling. Next thing you know, a huge magnet comes from out of the sky and snatches up the entire car and floats away with him. And clearly someone, he did say that he's connected with people or big in people. High, in high places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I mean. <laughs> I guess he meant it. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And I always find it funny too, because like when when the magnet latches onto the car and cause Angela, she's like, she's fell on the ground at this point. And she looks and you see him like in the uh, side reflector and he just like has this smile on his face and oh the car gets, gets snatched up. But with the way it ends with, you know, that flyer that he still had comes falling down to her and she sees it and she flips it over where it says, please protect this boy. You know, and it's yeah. like, I mean, but that's like a perfect Watchmen moment because I say that that happens a few times in the movie with oh. stuff like that. So, but yeah, I mean, but that's how the episode ends. <laughs> but it is, it's like he really did have friends in high places, or whoever snatched him off somewhere. And Angela's just stuck there, like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, it's, you know. Yeah, I mean, that that would, I mean. Seriously, that would scare you half to death. I mean, you go to get in your car and that thing of dog magnet. 
Yeah, so so what she had to walk home, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, she sure she didn't call a cab. I mean, I don't know. So yeah, but then it just it just has me wondering. Okay, well, who took Will? And we didn't even talk about um the young girl, um, being. Bang. Well, I'm, I'm, gonna save that for, I'm gonna save that for episode three. Okay, okay. Well, because I was just wondering, like, who took Will? Like, could it be that it's Adrian? Could it be the other girl? You know, so it's just like, all right, well, I, I was just, I was going to stop at this episode when I first watched it. But it's yeah. like, you know, because I said to myself when I watched the first episode, okay, I guess I'm going to stop. But then what happened to Judd, I'm like, I, I can't stop. I have to know. And then now, you know, when I, well, when I watched the second episode, I was just like, okay, I can't stop. What happened to Will? You know? So it's so, just it's one thing after another. So it's funny when you kept when you said that where's Will? I'm like, this is this Stranger Things now? Right. <laughs> where's <laughs> Where's Will? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like I just always feel like, you know, um with this with this series, it's like there's just so much mystery, like especially surrounding Will and then, you know surrounding Will, surrounding Judd. And I feel like even though the show is one hour, it's like, I feel like it just, I'll leave, I'll, they'll answer some questions for me, but then there'll still be more questions that I have by the time the show is over, you know, all the episodes over. And then it's just like, it, it's starting to make you question. Cause I just feel like it's not, in some ways things are just flipped. Like again, going back to Judd, I'm just so confused and disappointed because it's just kind of like, okay, is he evil? Or is he not? You know, is he on you know Angela's side? Is he not? What is happening? You know so, what? My answer to that is now you have to watch the movie. See, that's that's no, how. No, I, no, no, you you have to watch the movie because, like I said, compare it with with Judd character and the comedian character, they're very similar. In are they good or are they evil? Mm-hmm. So, like I say, I I I truly I recommend that you watch the movie. So, because yeah, <laughs> yes, watch the movie. Okay. <laughs> uh, you have to watch the movie, but um, but yeah, that's pretty much the end for episode two, and we will be back for episode three. And now that I'm home, I see. Yeah, no longer